Welcome to the Catapulting Commission's podcast. This is the place where we discuss how to maximize performance and improve retention with today's modern sales force. Every conversation on the show has one goal in mind, and that is to catapult your commission. I'm your host, Anthony Garcia, international best-selling author, motivational speaker, and a lifelong sales enthusiast. Be sure to join me every week as we interview sales leaders and entrepreneurs from around the world. We will discuss best practices and ensure that you leave motivated and inspired to take action. Now, let's enjoy today's episode. Catapulting Commissions family, what's up team? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Catapulting Commissions podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Garcia. Look, we are traveling the world. We're traveling the country. We are finding the best sales professionals and sales leaders to come join us and talk about what they're doing to accelerate their results, to catapult their commissions, to overall grow in the direction we all want to grow. If you've been following the show over the past 100 episodes, you've realized we took a brief three-week break, and we appreciate you doing that. And during that three-week break, we had to do some regrouping, picking up some main guests coming back on the show. And with all honesty, it was a structured, settled break between myself and my my production team. So we are glad you're back with us for season two of the Catapulting Commission Show. Our guest today is Rafael Goyaso. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Rafael. Rafael is a commercial real estate agent. He is out of Louisville, Kentucky. He works with the Grisanti Group. Just to give you a little bit of the success that uh, that Rafael's had, he's put 350 million transactions sold in six states. His group has 30 years combined experience in the real estate industry. He is the author of Before You Sign That Lease. And what I want to know, what I want to find out from Rafael is how he's built his business when he launched in one of the most challenging, quote-unquote, pandemic times. We're going to dive into that. So, Rafael, welcome to the Catapulted Commission Show. Thanks for having me, man. It's really great to be I, here. I'm glad to have you here, brother. So let's let's jump into this. So there's so many directions I want to go with you on this before you sign that lease, but I, I, I got to ask you this question, right? You're in commercial real estate. You launched your career in commercial real estate eight months, nine months before, quote unquote, this pandemic hits. Walk us through your first 12 months. I mean, what were your expectations? What, how has the pandemic impacted your business and how have you pivoted to retain producing results at a high level? Yeah, so that's actually a great question. So uh, prior to joining commercial real estate, I actually was in a completely different career field. I studied engineering in college and got into software consulting. So I worked at a company that implemented software systems for government agencies. And I traveled around the country and abroad. I was in DC for several years, Puerto Rico, and then eventually moved to Louisville, Kentucky back in 2018 or 2017 after Hurricane Maria. Transitioned away from doing that into commercial real estate in mid of 2019, I really didn't know what to expect. You know, I'd never been in a sales role before. And I knew that I, in order for me to really have success, I would have to pr produce at some point with, with consistent action. And so over the course of the first six months or so, it was a lot of, you know, cold calling, interacting with people, trying to just get my name out there as best as I could. And I started building some momentum, you know, early 2020 and then the pandemic hit. So I had several people that I was working with that, uh, you know, just decided to hold off because it was so at the time it was, we didn't know what was happening. Like no, no business owner really knew how this, that this pandemic was going to affect their business. There really hadn't been a lot of effort on the government's part in order to say, Hey, we're going to be able to smooth some of this out through some of the loan programs that they offered. And so a lot of my business, business and, and investor clients just kind of stopped. So 
for two months there, it was, I had almost no activity. And so what, what I realized is that I needed to be able to transition and pivot online. And so I started incorporating uh, an online strategy through YouTube videos. Uh, I also run a commercial real estate and in, in, in investment meetup called the commercial real estate 101. Where we talk about different commercial real estate topics. And I started advertising heavily on LinkedIn. Uh, we have a LinkedIn group now that has almost 600 members. And every month we or every, every, every other week, we interview people from different parts of the country, and we have solid, solid engagement uh, on that front. Uh, and then, yeah, just just he like heavily advertising online. And by the time we started getting back out there as a society, people started recognizing who I was. They knew I was affiliated with commercial real estate, and you know things started to take off a little bit from there. And by no means am I like a t the top producer in the market, but I've definitely. Uh, gotten to a point now where I'm starting to see some results and, you know, hopefully the sky's the limit from there. Well, one, I want to acknowledge, I mean, you made a strong pivot too. I love the background, which, which goes to show, right. There's, there's no ideal background for salespeople. I always, I hate when I hear people like, Oh, I have the ideal background for salespeople. I, I gotta be honest, man. I have, I have school teachers that I know are killer salespeople. I have trash truck drivers that I know are killer salespeople. It doesn't matter the background. It's it's the work effort you put in, which you just laid out a strong work ethic, but you laid out something that, I mean, let's be honest here. You built a personal brand. I mean, that's, that's, that's what it is. You, you're selling your services, but you're really building that brand. Like YouTube video or YouTube group, LinkedIn group, did did some like where did you did someone teach you this? Were you just like, hey, I need to make a pivot. I need to see what the best direction is, and 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 what is that goal? Because you're really you're building your brand, and so there's somebody listening right now that's saying, okay, my industry has been impacted. I need I need to kind of have that pivot as well. What would you tell that person on how to build that brand that is not always the because what you didn't say was, hey, I picked up the phone and I called my prospects a hundred times, like, hey, you ready to do business day? You ready to do business day? That old diehard follow up a million times, close business. I mean, that shit is horrible. But you, you, you definitely have something that that's worth talking about. So let's hear about that. Yeah, sure. And and I definitely don't want to discredit that that as a strategy because it, it it does work. I know plenty of people that are doing that and having a lot of success doing so. So it definitely can be an effective strategy. As far as more of evergreen content, it's it's my my, my logic was this. It said, look, it's gonna take a while to build a personal brand, and that's one common misconception that a lot of people face is that they put out a ton of effort to create all these videos and podcast episodes and whatever else, and they don't see immediate results and then they stop, you know, and, and that's, that's really the problem. And what you've been able to do with a hundred episodes, I mean, you could see the, the, the growth over time. I'm sure when you first started producing the, the podcast, I mean, you probably weren't getting a significant amount of downloads, but over time, the algorithm works and people start listening to it. People start reviewing and people start to know you. That's when the results start happening. So first and foremost, it's about consistent action. Uh, and what I would recommend as far as, you know, an online strategy is concerned, I, I, I took the position that video uh, content was of value to me. The reason why I think it's extremely valuable, uh, especially YouTube in particular, is because there's different senses that are engaged, right? You have the audio sense and you also have a visual sense. And so what you, what you think about it, whenever you're interacting with a client or, or a potential client, they have to know, like, and trust you, right? So in order for them to really learn to trust you, having a video of you explaining a topic or interviewing someone, you can read their personality. You can read, you know, different things about them so that, you know, if they watch one or two or three of your videos, 
if they decide to engage with you or you run into them somewhere in other social settings, they feel like they already know you. So that barrier, which is one of the hardest parts about being in sales, is that you know a lot of times there's there's an initial n- trust factor that's not established. But if you have a video content that you've produced, if you have books or you have other things out there, it helps lower that barrier a bit. So you now can be you can start building rapport a little bit more effectively, and then you know obviously you have to execute at the end of the day. But you know I think again personal branding takes time. And what I would recommend people do is pick a strategy. It doesn't have to be everything and just stick with it for a longer, long period of time. Yeah, we, we, you hear that. I love how you said, right? Pick the strategy, stick with it for a long piece of time. Yeah, I hear people that want to create content. It's so much so that, I mean, I see people within my feed that I, that I personally know that want to create content for whatever industry they're in. And they do it for three weeks. They do it for a month. And they're like, oh, it's not getting the results. And, and I've joked with people, I'm like, okay, well, do you think your first piece of content is going to go, is going to be a Gary Vaynerchuk status? Like, you, you don't realize the guy's been doing this for over 10 years and was started with Wine Library and was doing videos. And I agree. I mean, I, it's funny. You know, thank you for acknowledging the 100 episodes. I joked with people, my very first episode had seven downloads, seven. And I'm pretty sure I was like four of them. So it was, I was like, holy crap, dude, there's nobody listening to my show. So I, I know what that feels like. But I, I want to... I want to kind of piggyback on that. So you, you, you're building a brand, you know, Raphael, you're, you've been in commercial real estate, you know, let's say less than three years, but you're an expert in your field right now and you're building your brand. You ever struggle with imposter syndrome? All the time, for sure. I mean, especially when you're dealing in an environment where a lot of times your prospects are much older than you. Uh, mm-hmm. That's something that I, you know, somewhat struggle with at times. You know, a lot of the people that I deal with are experienced business owners and investors, and they've been around the block a lot. And so sometimes coming at if, in the interaction and really having to to show them that you are in fact an expert uh, can make you feel a little bit of imposter syndrome. However, I think it's important to note that if you're committed to the industry and you learn and grow and expand your knowledge each and every day, you know, I, I read industry publications every day. I've taken the necessary coursework via CCIM and various other mediums. So I, I, over time, you start learning things. And a lot of times, all you need to do is be a little bit more knowledgeable and a little bit more of an expert than your client. And if you are, then you can add, that's where you can add value because you can say, oh, well, in this situation, I would do this. And your client may have not thought of it that way. And so, you know, again, all you need to be is a little bit more knowledgeable, a little bit more of an expert than your client. And then you start adding exponential type of value. And obviously, as you close more and more transactions, you start having that experience uh, that, you know, people who are sales professionals in the industry for decades have, then you can add even more value. But you're right. I mean, imposter syndrome is is unavoidable. It's just, you know, be an expert, buy, consistently learn and and be committed to the industry. You, you know, Catapult to Commissions family, we hear Raphael saying there is being that expert your your confidence draws in knowing you know your your product your your system your process whatever it is right in Raphael's situation is commercial real estate for you it could be e-commerce sales for you it could be traditional real estate for you it could be car sales whatever the situation is if you have prepared and you know more about the subject at hand than your ideal customer then you are the expert and draws that confidence from you and 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 I'm glad to say, hear you say you know you you, you struggle, you know, imposter syndrome hits you, imposter syndrome hits me. I, I know the clients that I work with, you know, they struggle sometimes like, oh, I got imposter syndrome, no one's listening to me, I, who am I? 
And I'm always like, who are you not to? But when, when you're creating content, right, and you go into the strategy and you're using your content and you're using your really just like an education-based platform to build your brand, there's someone listening right now that says, hey, I want to do what you're doing, Raphael, in, in my I sell agriculture, right? So I live, I live in the Central Valley of California. We're really agriculture based. I sell agricultural sales, right? I don't know if this method applies for me, or I don't know if I can put content out there, or I'm not, I'm not good in front of camera, right? And and, and people see guys like you and me, like, oh, you guys are talking, like you guys. Are, I don't know about, I don't know for you, but this wasn't natural for me in the beginning. So can can you walk us through that journey, of that person that you know, or what would you have to say to that person that says, I want to do what you're doing? I just, I'm afraid, I'm, I don't know what message I have to say. I'm not comfortable in front of camera. No one's going to listen. You know, all these fears that people have before they even start. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with you. I mean, think about a time that you tried something that you had never done before. You're naturally not going to be good at it. it. It doesn't matter if you, quote unquote, have a natural ability or whatever. You're not going to be as good as you would be if you consistently do it over a long period of time. So... As far as creating content via YouTube, uh, you know, I started out back in 2017, just creating videos unrelated to commercial real estate. At the, at the time, I was working in another industry, and the the, the real the videos that I was creating was related to personal development, and I I had written a blog about personal development, uh, but that's where it started. And not only that, I also joined an organization called Toastmasters, uh, which is a public speaking leadership organization. You know, they meet on a weekly, sometimes bi monthly basis, uh, and you you get you practice and speak, giving speeches in front of people. And there's, there's sections for impromptu speaking where people just ask you a question and you have to think on your feet. You know, after being part of that organization for over five years, you become very, very effective as a communicator. So, you know, that, that could be something that you consider, especially if you want to do to start creating some video content, go to a Toastmasters meeting, become engaged as a member. And then over time, year two, three, again, it's a slow process. You eventually become a very, very effective communicator. And that translates to camera. But let's say that you and you you're not necessarily, you know, natural in front of the camera and you really don't want to do that. Maybe you're a great writer. Start writing blog, blog posts. Um, if maybe start write a book. You know, there, there's so many different ways to create content. So I definitely don't want to pigeonhole someone and say, you have to do everything on YouTube. You know, there's a lot of people who are just doing stuff on LinkedIn and they're killing it on LinkedIn. Like that's all they do. They don't really produce a lot of video content, but they just know how to structure posts very well. They know how to engage people on the platform and they're getting super significant engagement. So again, pick your poison and stick with it for a long period of time. Hey, I wanted to take a quick minute and interrupt this episode. I hope you're enjoying what you have heard thus far. Have you heard the good news? The international best-selling book, Catapulting Commissions, has been named a 2021 Selling Power Magazine book recommendation. And I want to thank you, the Catapulting Commissions family. You can claim a free copy by texting hello to 661-228-8967. You can also find out more information at catapultingcommissions.com. Okay, let's get back to the show. Yeah, I love that. And and and, and if you are picking that poison, let's not discredit. Uh, you know, Raphael, I have I have two daughters that are twelve years old. I'm gonna be honest with you. I need to, I need to up my TikTok game. I need to up this. It's it's not where my client avatar is hanging out right now. But in five years, I mean, if TikTok's still there, I mean, it, but whatever it is, pick your poison and run with it because there are. If you if you know, I read an article recently on a shoe guy who creates custom pieces of shoe painting. His only method of promoting his shoes is TikTok. 
I mean, genius, right? You're you're wherever you're at. But yeah, LinkedIn, YouTube, audio, blogs. I, I love it. You know, you pick your poison, you run with that. You mentioned books. Let's talk a little bit about your book. So you have a book before you sign that lease. What's the premise behind the book? So the book itself is a comprehensive guide to leasing commercial real estate. Um, you know, I, I didn't really see a lot of content out there pertaining to really the process of leasing, purchasing, or selling commercial real estate. And my goal over the next 12 months is actually to finish up uh, before you buy that building is my next book. And then there's going to be before you sell that building. And it talks about the comprehensive process of doing all three of those, of those processes. But that's essentially the premise. And especially if you're a startup, a lot of times... You know, if you if you get into a bad lease, it could really cripple your business from a cash flow perspective, and th- that's what I ha- want to help people try to avoid. And so that was the premise of writing the book. You know, I'd written several books before that as well, so I have a process down for writing books, um, and you know, it can be a very effective strategy for uh, business development, especially if you incorporate that business uh, that that book into you know sending it to strategic partners. Or, you know, if you meet with a prospect and you get their business card, sending them a co- signed copy of the book afterwards, after your interaction, that could be a, you know, it's a great way to be able to kind of establish yourself as that expert. So that's kind of my experience so far. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think there, there's definitely value in having a book and using a book as a, as a modern day calling card or a modern day business card. My apologies. But I, w- I want to peel that premise back on the before you sign that lease. So there's. As business owners and sales professionals, you know, I own a couple of businesses. I actually have my wife. We signed a business lease for her a year and a half ago. You know, there's, I have an audience right now that you have some salespreneurs, meaning they are highly successful 1099ers or they have brokerages, insurance brokerages, real estate brokerages, and they also live in that commercial real estate space. Not like you, but they're, they're clients and consumers. What mistakes should they avoid, right? Let's, I, I think of my mom, she's a real estate agent and I look at her firm and I say, okay, we're gonna go find a new place. We want the most beautiful ele- eclectic place in Westside LA and it looks amazing. What mistakes should, uh, should a business owner avoid when signing a new commercial uh, real estate space? Well, I mean, first and foremost, determine whether or not you even need a space because sometimes people like the idea of having a space as like legitimizing their business, but in reality, it may or may not be necessary. So, you know, sometimes I've sat down with people that maybe run a, you know, you run a catering business or something, or you run a, you know, a, a, a personal training business or something like that. In a lot of those instances, you may or may not need to sign a long-term lease. In a catering situation, you may be able to use like a ghost kitchen. You know, you may not have to sign up for a three or five-year lease because that is a commitment that you're taking on for a long period of time. So first off, determining whether or not you actually need a lease is 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 the big thing. And then from there, you know, one of the biggest things that I see a lot of people mistakes that I'll see a lot of people make is they, they have assumptions as far as what commercial leases are. And that's really just drawing from experiences from a residential perspective. There's different types of commercial leases. There's triple net leases. There's gross leases. There's all these different types of leases that you that, that, that are available out there. And they all mean different things. So like triple net leases incorporate, you know, insurance and taxes and general maintenance of the property. So you as the tenant are responsible for those for those expenses. And so if you see a base rent of, let's say, two grand a month, that's just the base rent. Now you got to calculate your tax expenditures, your insurance expenditures, and then factor in a little bit of an allowance for general maintenance. And so your monthly cash outflow may not be two thousand. Maybe it's three thousand or thirty five hundred. But you wouldn't know that unless you carefully read the lease and interpret what's actually happening. And then I'll, I'll, the last thing I'd say, which is something that I've seen a lot of, and it's unfortunate, is 
passing along the expenses of major systems within a building to the tenant. Landlords try to do that a lot. So for example, you'll, you may see a lease where, you know, the, the landlord's responsible for all repairs up to 250. And then after that, it's like the tenants. But if you're talking about a major system within your, your space, you, I mean, if you're, if your furnace and AC goes out, you're talking maybe 8,000 bucks or 10,000 bucks. And if you're a startup, that's catastrophic to your business. So you know, again, I think the, the biggest things that you can avoid from a leasing perspective is to carefully read the lease and have a real estate advisory team, have a real estate lawyer in your corner, have an effective and knowledgeable real estate agent that's, that specializes in commercial real estate. Because, you know, there's some co- very competent residential agents out there that could probably handle some of those transactions. But when you start dealing with more sophisticated, you know, leases, especially when you're talking about leasing space from like large corporations, uh, they typically have lease templates that are very complex and, and elongated, and you just don't want to take the risk of, you know, signing on the dotted line and then being responsible for something if something does does happen. That's that's, you know, that's bad. So, yeah, having having that team, having that that environment around you is is definitely going to help prevent you from hurting yourself. And you you mentioned that capital we've we've all been there, right? And if you are a salespreneur right now your capital is completely commission driven. The last thing you want to do is is hunker down and make a pay for a $10,000 mistake or $5,000 mistake or $50,000 mistake because you didn't read a lease correctly. Um, and, and and I like how you said that. Do you really need that space? Because I've I have met and consulted salespreneurs that are like, oh, I, I want that space. And there's because they want to, like you said, legitimize their business. There's other ways to do it. There's virtual offices. There's ways to have that address and have that presence. Uh, but when you sign and commit to something, I mean, I, I, I work out of my home and my home office have had a home office for 10 years. And every time I've gone out, I'm like, oh, I want a fancy office somewhere. And I'm like, ah, no, nah. I, I enjoy what I it, the system that I have in place. So let, let, let me flip gears on you. So commercial real estate, I'm assuming you have competition in your space. Someone's listening right now and saying, okay, Raphael, I get what you're doing. I get you've, you're, you're, you're educating people. But with all honesty, how do I separate myself as a new commercial real estate agent amongst my competition? How do I compete when I'm not, you know, I, I, you, you, you mentioned something that I love. You said, right, I'm, typically, I'm younger. My prospects are typically a little bit older than me, a little bit, more, a little more savvy, been around the block, no business. And people view that as a hangup, like, oh, I can't execute. And you didn't say that. So what do you have to say to that new commercial real estate agent that wants to succeed, that wants to compete and just can't break through the doors, is struggling with their own limiting beliefs? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, I think the biggest thing is, I mean, just, just start producing something because you, you gain confidence from doing. So I feel like a lot of people just get hung up in these limiting beliefs, but you know, the, the remedy to that, that limiting belief is action, is consistency. So I would recommend just starting off, maybe documenting your, your learning experience. You know, I, I every every Monday uh, I release a video called "Frequently Asked Questions for Commercial Real Estate," and so what it is is like I address a question like last week. I think I did one on uh, the difference between rentable and usable square footage. Like that's very easy to research. You know, you could do do a little bit of research and say, okay, what's the difference between usable and rentable square footage, and then you just act like you're sitting across the table from someone and just answer the question, you know, and, and th- this is a unique experience for, for, for you as a newer agent as well, because now you get to learn about the industry. So as you're reading these industry publications, as you're, as you're taking these classes, 
just document some of the things about that, that you're learning and then c- consider creating some sort of content associated with that. Or you can even incorporate some of the routes that I've seen others take, which is vlogging. So like, you know, as you're, as you're going about your day, you say, okay, well today I'm going to, you know, prospect this particular individual, or I'm going to door knock on in this, in this area. And then you talk about what your experience is doing that at the end, you kind of summarize some of the, some of the things that you've done and, you know, some of the, the, the actions you've taken and some of the successes you achieved. And then that could be great content you produce as well. And I, I'm, you'd be surprised with the response you get from people. And not only that, but I'll say this is that there's not a lot of people producing content on a consistent basis. Like, like you said earlier, it's very common for people to just do it for two, three weeks and kind of let it go. In my space here in, in this market, is, is from a commercial real estate standpoint, there's almost no one doing it. So if you could be the one, two, or even even top 10 people in your market, if it's large enough doing it, you're going to get business from it. You're going to get people who recognize who you are. And as you're going out and about and doing all the different activities outside of just marketing yourself, it's going to pay huge dividends down, down the line. And it's going to build your confidence. So, yeah, in, in being that one, two, five or 10 or wherever you are, I, I would, I love how you said, right. It's do something and be consistent. It goes to that old, old saying by Tony Robbins, right? People overestimate what they can do in one year, but they underestimate what they can do in 10 years. I would tell, you know, if, if, if you and I were working together and you were with me, Rafael, and you're like, hey, man, I'm struggling with this. I would tell you, Rafael, if you're doing this career for one year, then yeah, man, you should be nervous, right? Your first three months of post, 25% of your time, kind of shitty. No one follows you. No one got engaged with you. You're struggling. But if you're telling me, hey, man, I'm making this a career, I look at it like, dude, if in six years from now, you want to have the problem where your calendar is completely booked up and now you have a minimum threshold before you even work with somebody, that's going to start now with the 400 weekly blogs you're going to put out between now and that time. And when you, when you put perspective and you look at the, you look at your career on the longer vision, you're like, Oh, it's just a small glimpse to remain consistent. So to tell that new agent to get out there, create something. I I think that's, that's such valuable feedback and advice. One of the things I'm I'm curious on Raphael is sales professionals it's a mental game, right? We're, we're some months we're really good. Some months we're really bad. Sometimes I feel like I'm the best salesperson in the world. Sometimes I feel like I'm the worst salesperson in the world. How do you keep yourself motivated, inspired? Do you, do you, do you have a mastermind you work with? Do you have a personal coach you work with? Do you, what is your like personal development habits today? And I know you mentioned you, you had a personal development blog many years ago, but as of today, 2021 going into 2022 what are you doing right now to keep your mind sharp and keep yourself motivated inspired to to produce and perform at your best yeah so i i think again it kind of lends itself to consistency but i think it's establishing routines so you know i I read the book the miracle morning several years ago and that kind of changed my perspective on how i approach my day-to-day operations you know i wake up at the same time in the morning i work out i you know start my day from to write because that's one of the things that I that I, I mean, how that's how I've been able to write five books in the last four or four and a half five years is because I write every day and then you know then I incorporate some sort of other you know LinkedIn or YouTube or whatever my day calls for and then you know those are some wins for the day you know because even if you have a terrible day the rest of the day you you get rejected all day or you you, you just it just it's just not a very productive day maybe you just can't get yourself to go, but you still had those morning wins and those build on top of each other. 
And, you know, I'll even say one of the best books I ever read in my life that kind of changed my trajectory was the book called The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy, where he talks about, you know, those small, consistent actions every day adding up to big results. And one of the examples he uses is, let's say you, you drink a Coke every day at lunch, but you decide to remove it from your, from your diet. That's, that's like 200 or 150 calories a day. And a pound is like 3,500 calories. So over the course of 22 days, now you've lost a pound of fat just by removing that one thing. And that's a positive, positive characteristic. And over the course of a year, that can add up to 20 pounds. And what happens when you, you, know, you, you, you lose 20 pounds? You have more energy. So now maybe you start incorporating some other positive habits, right? And by year five, you, know, you, you work out four times a, a week. You know, you're running a marathon, you know, but it all builds on top of each other. And that's through the morning routine. That's through consistent action. And yes, you're going to have some bad days, but you know, just reference the calendar. Just stick to your calendar and say, okay, today I'm going to do this in the morning. And then whatever happens the rest of the day is great, but you already have your wins for the day right in the morning. You referenced some amazing books there. I'm a big fan of Miracle Morning and Hell Outrot. So I think that book is is groundbreaking. Everybody should read it at a given point in time. I didn't read the second book you recommended, but it reminded me a lot of a book I just finished reading, Atomic Habits, where you know you the small changes go in 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 the right step. And having that 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 ability to say, I'm gonna make these small incremental changes. I love the consistency method you 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 implement. Being a creature of habit, right? It's it's in your if it's in your daily process. You know, it becomes in your sales process, becomes in your business. That that habitual thing gives you an opportunity to create repetition, but create evaluation. I look at it in the aspect of the habit you just outlined. Like if I'm having a bad sales month, and I look at the habits you just outlined, and I'm like, if if I'm working with you, and you're like, I'm having a bad sales month. I'm like, Rafael, what have you stuck to your habits? Have you stuck to your routine? And typically, I know for me personally, when I when I break habits, it drives me crazy. Fun fact: like this morning, I didn't go work out because I got home late from Monday night football. Super like it took forever to get out of SoFi Stadium in LA. And I woke up this morning and the first thing I told my wife, I was like, man, I'm like, I'm angry I didn't work out. And I, you know, it was like 5.30 and I was supposed to be up by 5 a.m. to go work out. And I had a full day starting at 6.15 and I was like, you know, we'll pick that up at the tail end of the day. But I get that. You said something here that, that I don't think enough people recognize or acknowledge. You're winning in the morning. Like you're making your success take place first thing in the morning to set that mood for the remainder of the day. Is is that something that is by design? Is that something because your habit? But I mean, I know you have the habit, but you're like actually creating victories and feeling good about the productivity all before eight, nine, ten in the morning. Is that is that a fair assessment? Yes, exactly. And 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 the logic there is the reason why I like the mornings the best is because, you know, you're you're wide awake, right? If you especially have some coffee, you you have a lot of energy and people usually aren't up that early anyways. So you're not going to have a lot of demands on your time. You know, we're all busy sales professionals, so after 8:30 it's a crapshoot, you know. I mean, especially if you have like you have to go here, there, maybe you have showings if you're in real estate or you have to meet with prospective clients. Like there's other things that happen throughout the day that can impede your ability to get those early wins. So that's the, that was the logic for the early morning routines. And obviously, as you mentioned, Howard Elrod's book is kind of, was kind of instrumental in me saying, okay, well, this is what I got to do. So that's what I've been doing for the last several years. 
Fair enough. Well, Raphael, I appreciate the insights there. I'd love to give you a, a quick minute or two here. Can you let the Catapulta Commission's family know how they get connected with you? What's the social media, the books, the YouTube? Someone's listening and says, hey, I want to I learn more about the commercial real estate journey. How do they find you? Yeah, sure. So, you know, you can find me via my website at Raphael, R-A-P-H-A-E-L, Coyazo, C-O-L-L-A-Z-O.com. You know, I, I also have a podcast called the Commercial Real Estate Academy Podcast, where we produce weekly uh, podcast episodes uh, pertaining to commercial real estate topics. My YouTube channel, you just search my name, you can find it. And I'm, I'm super active on LinkedIn. So if you want to reach out to me via there and, you know, ask, ask any questions, I'd be happy to kind of engage with that. And yeah, that, that's, those are probably the easiest ways to get in contact with me. Perfect. Rafael Coyasso, I will have all those links for Raphael, his website, his his LinkedIn profile will all be in the show notes. Catapult Commission's family, do me a favor. Go get connected with Raphael on LinkedIn. Follow his content. Learn from him. I can guarantee you the consistency he puts out, you're, you're going to appreciate. We want to continue to learn and grow. And that's what we do on the Catapult Commission show. We bring people that we can learn and grow from. Raphael fits right in line with the amazing group of, of guests we've had. So, Raphael, thank you for joining the show. Catapult Commission's family, you know what to do. Like, subscribe, comment, and I will see you next week. Catapulting Commission's family, that does it for today's episode. If you found some value, please be sure to head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. Don't forget to subscribe. That way you're notified of new episodes. If you want to see the video portion of this podcast, head over to YouTube and look up Catapulting Commissions Podcast. Finally, if you want a free copy of Catapulting Commissions, be sure to text the word HELLO to 661-228-8967. Again, text the word HELLO to 661-228-8967. Thanks for listening to the show. I'll see you next week.